Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Ah, as November progresses, the latest episode of the podcast, our focus this week against the backdrop of all sorts of cabinet reshuffle shenanigonery and uh, threats to world peace. We're going to focus in closer to home, um, looking at Portsmouth and perhaps what should be the first line of healthcare provision. We've had a pharmacy summit this week in Portsmouth, and we have got a a very esteemed guest to uh, to give us the inside track. Simon, would you like to introduce? Um, so we are joined uh, again by a friend of the pod, uh, Councillor Matthew Winnington, who is the Cabinet Member for um, Health, Wellbeing and Social Care on uh, Portsmouth City Council. Good evening, Matthew, and welcome back. Thanks very much. Uh, lovely to be here. Thank you. So... So thank you. Every time you come back, your your title seems to get a little bit longer with a, something else tap, tacked on. I'm sure I'm not imagining that. But um, if you could, first of all, give us a give us a quick insight into what this uh, pharmacy summit was and, and why was it called? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I say thanks so much for being here. Um, we called the summit. This actually came from uh, something I had a year off the council and uh, uh, an enforced year off, uh, as as uh, as people will know, um, if they follow the election results. But um, I came back, and there was already some concern that had been going through the health and wellbeing board about um, pharmacies closing in the in the city. And uh, one of the first things that came back, and and part of my role as cabinet member for community wellbeing, health and care, is that um, I'm also the co-chair of the health and wellbeing board. And uh, at the time, uh, Councillor Gerald Jackson was still leader of the council and is on the Health and Wellbeing Board. That's one of, uh, uh, again, one of their uh, leaders' responsibilities to sit on that board. And he'd been bringing up about the fact that there's these closures, what can we do about it? And there's this thing called the pharmaceutical needs assessment. And at the time, the needs assessment didn't allow you to take any stance against any closures of your pharmacies in the area. In my first year back, the law changed and we could then start to actually say, we don't think that uh, we should have gaps in our pharmacy provision. So really, it all started with that. And then um, earlier this calendar year, we were sort of talking this through. And I was talking to uh, Councillor Vernon Jackson and this came on the back of the fact we'd done a GP summit last, uh, two GP summits last year. So we did one in August and then a follow up in january so in the last municipal year uh, and then um we were and we were planning on doing another one and, and in discussion with with gerald and with uh partners we thought well why don't we do one with about pharmacies because we have these issues with um closures we ha- we know that pharmacies have very similar situations and issues in terms of staffing as as, as uh, gps do um so really it was a case and and also they can often feel like the forgotten part of Mm. um of primary care so when people think of primary care they think of their gp surgeries or as we try to get people to think about them they're more than just gp so medical centers so nurses um occupational therapists physios 
um, all that kind of thing that you get your uh, your surgeries, but also you think there's opticians and dentists as well. But pharmacies are actually a really key part of primary care. So that was really the reason behind saying, let's give them some priority and let's give them some attention. And let's, but they have very different issues from a lot of others mm. because in the end, they are not only part of the primary care system, they're also straight up businesses as well. So what did you hope to achieve by bringing everybody together? So it was very much a case of let's let's see what their issues are. And we know from the GP, uh, from the GP surgery, uh, sorry, the GP summits we've done, we've had some really practical outcomes. These are what's known in the trade as wicked issues. They're not things you can solve easily. They're not things you can you can do. And a lot of the things that happen are things you can't control because they're national legislation, they're national policy. But it's about really getting through that and going, well, what can we actually achieve in Portsmouth ourselves? How can we work together on this? So really for us, the, the first thing we did, we did a round table back in at the end of September. And that was something that um, we did alongside um, the pharmacists themselves and really said to them, you tell us what your issues are. And then that really led us forward to, to, to say, right, you've told us what the issues are. What can then we, we put there as, as the, the four areas to prioritise um, in there? And some of those issues that came out were things that, to be honest, I did not have an idea that was such an issue, but actually made complete sense. So one of them was safety. Um, so they were having a, a, an issue with, um, they have an issue in pharmacies. Obviously, late night pharmacies are often the only place that's open or one of the few places that's open mm. at that time of night. But they're certainly the only ones where people think it's a healthcare professional, someone I can trust. They also have drugs in there, obviously. They're pharmacists. Mm. Um, and uh, and also, they often have people who are in severe distress, and that's at all times of the day when they're open. So one of the key things that we wanted to do was make sure that uh, the police were there, and they were, um, and and that we could address some of those particular issues um, there. So that's just that's just an example. Yeah. As, as, no, as one, of the, one of the things we really wanted to sort sort of have practical solutions. No, we'll definitely pick some um, some more of those up in a little bit more detail later in the podcast. So. So, what sorts? Who who was basically there in the in management speak? That's who were, who were the stakeholders, I guess. But who who goes to that sorts of things? You 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 talked about uh, police, but who were the others? Who, who were the other parties that were present? So we had everyone. So we had uh, in terms of thinking about the statutory sector. So obviously, we as a city council were hosting it, but we do it under the umbrella of Health and Care Portsmouth, which of course includes the city council all of the uh, healthcare system in the city, the NHS, um, also the Hive these days as well, which is which is great. Um, but then we were also including further afield. So um, the Integrated Care Boards um, across Hampshire, Isle of Wight, because that's a really key thing because their responsibility for pharmacies goes up through them. We had uh, the Community Pharmacies South Central. So they're like the kind of professional body for our community pharmacists in the area. Uh, we had pharmacists coming in from the hospital because though they're not community pharmacists, they do obviously have that professional connection. 
but then we were looking at things I said about business. So we, a real, real key one for us was to have shaping Portsmouth there, which of course brings across brings business from across the city because there. I, one of the things that came up at the roundtable was, are you connected in with the business community? No, we're not connecting in with that business community. So, so getting that that side of it as well, um, because obviously that 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 can really help them in terms of how to develop their business side as well. Uh, and then obviously we had uh, pharmacists themselves, uh, people from the pharmacy. Um, uh, providers, so the, the businesses that, that run pharmacies. Uh, we had a couple of students there, uh, so a pharma student and actually a law student, and she she actually came because she wanted to come and, and get a bit of more of an idea of the uh, the way that um, uh, local systems work, political systems, um, statutory systems, all this kind of thing. So that was really that was really positive, um, and then we had. Uh, and then we had other parts of the of, of sort of the local uh, community in terms of our so we had uh, GPs represented and etc. So it was a it was a real cross section of the the people that can make a difference to how community pharmacy works. So if we look at that, Matt, what and you touched on it earlier, what what were the what were the key themes coming out in terms of those key issues? That the pharmacies and the service providers were facing yeah so so we said about obviously we had that i mentioned about the um uh the uh mental health and uh safety themes uh, so we actually looked at those together um so we, we we did sort of one table on each of these uh we had about how they can connect more into the community as a whole so how can they uh both and that's when we're looking at the business community, but also in the high street, how can they sort of become partners there? Um, we were looking at, uh, so from 2026, every pharmacist who, who qualifies will be what they call a prescribing pharmacist um, as a professional qualification. So they can then uh, uh, prescribe medication rather than just dispense it. Um, the skill set actually that current pharmacists have um, mean that it's 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 one of those things where you get a piece of paper almost every current pharmacist could do that but you have to have accreditation to be a prescribing pharmacist so one of the issues that was being brought up was they don't know how to um oh, sorry it's very difficult to get that certification because there's a lack of people who can do that training so it's about how we can move through with that but also how to make the most of that and then we were looking at workforce so that that side of things on how do we increase our workforce uh because like with gps like with other things we have real issues with recruitment um, and indeed retention so what can we do within that system to make portsmouth an attractive place a to come to and be to stay in as as pharmacists so did you look at any of this through the sort of lens of the customer um in terms of how they perceive pharmacies absolutely so um so one of the things that came back from that very beginning point about why why should we do this and that we did in the round table and and that we did obviously in the uh, in there was the fact that and, and uh, gerald did i asked gerald to do the introduction because he'd been there from that very beginning and it all came for him from that original um point of view of the people talking to him you know saying 
I've tried to use my pharmacy for this. I've really worried that this is closed down and all that kind of side. And we know if we start getting gaps in our provision around the city, mm. we know for those people who need to use uh, pharmacists on a regular basis for their medication, they tend to be the least mobile people of all. Um, that it's all about how, how we can make better use of them in terms of so people can feel like they're not imposing on their pharmacists but also when they're when they're being told oh rather than go to your surgery go to a pharmacist that pharmacists are actually going to have the capacity to see them so otherwise there's no point mm. but also most importantly we know that um, people have relationships with their pharmacists yeah we we all have to get medication one time or another and if you're getting your medication all the time you get to have a red relationship whether you're getting it delivered to you in your homes or whether you're going in and collecting it on that regular basis there's someone you can trust and they are a trusted part of our high street and yeah and trust levels for pharmacists are very high um so it's very much on how what can we do a to improve that because as much as there is a lot of trust for some it kind of falls down and people have poor experiences um, but also, B, you want to make sure that they can keep it up. One of the big things that happened in recent times, for example, was lack of medication. So you would maybe go to your mm. pharmacist and be told, we haven't actually got that in now. There were huge supply issues, um, especially not long after Brexit in particular. Um, and though the things have improved now, you still do have some. And pharmacists don't necessarily always work together as well as they could do. Um, and again, that's not because it's it's not because of any malice or oh we're in competition with each other, therefore we shouldn't. It's just there isn't there haven't been those structures in place uh, over the years to really put to really have that that way of working together as well. You seem to have touched on some really big issues there, and I I, I can't I think the word was was the word you used wicked problems. Yeah. Um, you know, are those things within the gift of PCC or the cabinet member for health, well-being and all other general <laughs> goodness? Is it within your gift to, to influence and to change I think, that? I think the whole point is it's not about me or the cabinet. It's about using our ability to bring people together. Um, and so we can we can bring those people who can make that difference because we're not. We're absolutely not in a position where we can wave a magic wand. But at the same time, mm. we are in a position whereby, um, and this has been the case with both this and with the GP Summit as well, we are there to represent the people of this city. Uh, and we, we go on their feedback. You know, the GP Summit on the same thing. That was all about people's concerns, what people have brought to us, you know, myself and 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 uh and other members of the cabinet but also all councils all 42 ha have had people um who have had issues with um accessing a gp etc etc so so it's one of those things where you've got the opportunity you've got the responsibility almost that you can bring people together and by the attendance that we had it shows that people are receptive to, to that and, and really value mm. it as, as something and recognise that we do have that ability to do things. So so it's very much about bringing it together. And actually, the people you're having at these summits, they're the experts. They know far more about this stuff than, than any of us. But often, they only... Lots of different 
parts have only part of the um, they only have part of the uh, knowledge that they actually learn things. Yeah. So it's about bringing that into almost a crucible whereby real positive solutions can come out the other end. Okay, so that almost segues beautifully into our next question. Um, so pharmacies are a, are a private business and the funding model is probably quite confusing to, to most people. What, what effect does that in itself, that operating model, have on the problems that they face and the sorts of solutions that are, that are going to be needed to, to help tackle the, the sorts of issues that you were talking about just now? Yeah, I, th I think I think pharmacies are, are, are very, very um, unique because they have a funding stream which is entirely from the public sector, which is all about um, the, uh, the prescriptions they dispense. So all those medications they dispense with prescription. Um, with the the there's contracts to do things like um, vaccinations and and another uh, another things. So uh, so they have this big public sector obviously funding, but that's for very specific things. But then they also have all those other things that people go to their pharmacies for. So um, you think of all your over the counter medication. You, a lot of people we know go to pharmacies because especially when they want to try something new, they go to a pharmacist because they say, right, um, we need some advice before we do it, even if it's over the counter. Or the only place you can get oh, that, that particular over the counter medicine is from a pharmacist, because though it might be something you can do without a prescription, you should, it's still kind of a, one that you should take on advice. You know, you don't want to be taking... Um, eye drops for example uh, that you've never had before uh, that might be you know have some particular side effects for some people without talking to your pharmacist so you know they're the ones that tend to sit behind the counter um, uh, and then there's as we said there's other ones that, that you have to buy from a pharmacist so but that's a commercial side isn't it so uh, and then there's all those other things that people go you know toothpaste and uh, cleaning things and, and all kinds of bits and pieces so so they've got this this balance because you could be an incredibly successful in terms of gathering things from from the public sector but then again you can probably never really control exactly how much you get because you never know how much prescription you go to dispense um but if you're if you're sort of supply you know your other side is is completely failing through the floor then um then you'll you might just say, well, commercially, we'll have to close, um, or vice mm. versa. So that was one of the things about why to, to bring them in with the with the business community and, and actually get the business community out of the summit and, and get them to, so they've got that expertise to help them with, with that. And, and I was talking to Steph uh, Neotowski from Shaping Portsmouth afterwards, and he was so pleased, A, to have been invited, but B, to have, to sort of had a handle in with 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 that that part of the business community to help them so they can help them as a organization thrive because obviously they support all parts of our business community from your smallest micro enterprise right up to the massive uh, organizations mm. like BAE systems um, uh, and other other of our big commercial um, enterprises that 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 uh, operate in the city so so it's it's 
it is a very difficult thing. And um, I think we're going to come on to funding in a bit. But yeah, obviously, the funding streams are uh, extremely complicated. And, and like with a lot of bureaucracy can be um, extremely, uh, bure well, difficult to, to navigate as well. Yeah, because I mean, in, I mean, Ian and I both live, both live in Cosham, so uh, the Boots on the High Street has just recently yeah. closed. Um, I've heard about um, some of the some of the pharmacies that are concessions in in supermarkets. They're they're kind of with, with, withdrawing for that. Are they pointing to kind of particular things about how they're funded that that kind of cause those decisions, or are they just to do with the wider, perhaps the the wider retail environment? It's not clear. I I think. I think so. You're right about obviously Boots and Boots are doing a they're they're rationalising as they call it, um, and I think they are looking at that high street because obviously it's not just the it's not just the pharmacy that's closing it's that entire branch in 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 Cosham. Mm. Um, certainly with Lloyd's who are closing at all the Sainsbury's that they're doing that that's clearly to do it's commercial that they're just thinking it's not worth worth us uh, sort of carrying on. So I think that is that that kind of rationalizing the estate kind of thing um because again i do think the funding model uh for pharmacies is is pretty old and creaking um and with these big organizations you know they're still going to have a lot of pharmacies that are um that are viable and they're going to have huge huge amounts of branches across the country it's just going to be uh making sure the ones they've got are more profitable um, the the elephant in the room as well, of course, is online pharmacy, mm. um, and that that is the real. Um, so we have a we do have um, an online pharmacy in that's based in Portsmouth, for example. Mm -hmm. Of course, most of their business is nowhere near Portsmouth. I think I I heard I think the biggest supplier of um, medications, i pharmacy medications in the city, is based in Leeds. Um, right. And uh, so it's a bit. There's a big online pharmacy, and I think they've they've seen the stats, and and uh, and they're actually and they sent for leads. That's where their warehouse is. Um, so so that is that is a big challenge, and that's why in the way that business side of it as well, if we can get people going to their local community pharmacy, because a, it's round the corner from home, mm -hmm. and b, it's a good experience for them to maybe think, oh, I can get this, that, and the other. Yeah, and that that can be a real positive. Yeah, because you you mentioning online pharmacies, of course, I should imagine, and I'm completely guessing at this, but I'd imagine that the people that probably tend to use those would be the people that are, are either time poor or, or or have poor mobility, um, but are using them for repeat prescriptions, which and repeat prescriptions are probably the very customers that the local pharmacies rely on as their as kind of you know they know that that's a, a "Quote unquote steady part of their of their customer base and their income, I guess. If that's the if that's taken away those those customers from from the local uh, community pharmacies, it's is is that kind of causing a dent? Is it you know that's a speaks to a wide the wider kind of situation in the switch to online services that's that's hitting lots of other sectors as well. Is is that kind yeah. of what, what, what yeah. the sense is? Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a it is a, it, a because yeah, as you say, people. People who are able to go online will often use online for uh, for uh, for um, all kinds of stuff, and that includes obviously medications. Um, I think one of the one of the particular things is the is and again this is why 
with community pharmacies because you often have to pay postage etc for these things so uh, it does actually add a cost to because you know if you've got a prescription it's a flat it's a flat fee no matter what the um and again this this all comes into the contract about expensive drugs and all that kind of thing because it's a flat fee mm. for um for everyone for no matter what their prescriptions are and it's about what they get on top there so it's it's a real it is a real um concern and it's a but it's about as i say if you can give value added then you can really people really understand why having your because it is the old thing of use it or lose it because mm. if if people do not use mm. their community pharmacies if community pharmacies and let's remember most of our community pharmacies in portsmouth are um either portsmouth based businesses with quite a few branches or they are uh, we've got a few single-handed pharmacies or they're they're not that big we have got obviously big organizations like roland's for example um but most of our pharmacies in the city are either um locally owned ones with a few branches or we have single handers and talk about costume obviously in costume you've got um the one i used to use when i i used to work there um on the corner of vetus roads and that's a that's a independent pharmacy um and and that's the uh that that's the kind of thing that we you just you just start to get your real concerns about because um because actually again if they're local businesses um then mm. they're they they are going to be reflective of the local community and have that real pull whereas if they're big national things as we've seen with boots and we've seen with uh with lloyd's pulling out of, pulling out of an area is just well it's pulling out of an area it's, it's just it's just one of their many shops exactly yeah. it, it doesn't mm. really mean anything to them um, which is, which is, as I say, can be really concerning. And an interesting point, there, Matthew. So, so again, if we've touched on the challenge of of those, you know, the the internet pharmacy, the online provider, um, you know, that those those challenges and those problems look nationwide. So, if we look at Portsmouth as a whole, is the position in Portsmouth? any better or worse than the national picture you've touched that there are you know some some local networks where do we stand as a city at the moment compared to the rest of the uk so uh, you're you're quite right obviously there there are national issues um the issues with recruitment uh for pharmacies i think are that's the particular uh, that's the particular issue that we have and and uh i on BBC South on 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 the I think Ed's on Friday, um, and and obviously they came to the summit on Wednesday, and uh, and, and I said it's coastal communities, so coastal communities mm. do have a particular issue right across the health and social care sector. So we found this originally with GPs. We know we have this issue as well with pharmacists. Um, partially, it's because your recruitment has to come all from well 180 degrees as opposed to 360. Um, and that that's just that's just, just real it's just the reality yeah. the reality of, of, of being on the coast um but it does cause that particular that particular issue um one of the big things we're doing i mentioned about we had um university student with us we also had people from the the university themselves at the at the summit was about uh, re, uh, the the training up of local pharmacists at the university and, and retaining them we know that that's a real bonus but it's for us to make the most of that but you have this perverse 
situation now and, and this came up and I didn't know about this. So when they do their training, they are allocated to anywhere in the country. You don't have any control. So someone does their pharmacy degree, they then have to go and do their um, uh, their their sort of formal training to become fully a fully registered pharmacist. But they are they're, they're allocated randomly. So I think within a you know, reasonable distance. Um, but it is literally anywhere, and you you used to be able to kind of retain a certain amount to a local area, but you can't do that now. It's it's you basically bid for them. So pharmacies bid for these pharmacy graduates. And that causes real issues mm. in terms of because a lot of people we know, Portsmouth University has a pretty good retention rate for people from who do their degrees here, who stay in Portsmouth or in the Portsmouth area. With pharmacies, now you can, now this happens, you can't do that. You haven't got so even if someone goes to, Oh, I really like Portsmouth, I'd really love to stay here, they then get their placement in Buckinghamshire or something like that. Once you moved up there, you might really like a place, but you think, oh well, I'm I'm up here now, maybe I'll meet someone, you know, mm. I've I've got accommodation, mm. I've I've made some friends. Do I really want to go back? Um so we know we're fighting against that and 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 obviously that's an issue that that happens with every university now that trains pharmacists. Um but yeah, but it is it is that particular issue with coastal communities. Um that we do have we do have that i think however the thing that we do have that's different from everywhere else is we have a history of integration and close working across the health and social care sector including the council um and also we have networks like um shape in portsmouth so uh we had one of uh, raj lally from uh who's uh, who's um on the board of lally's pharmacies his dad set up the uh the business um uh, you know a few decades ago now um but he's actually a local gp as well and um and so he has that sort of double perspective and he actually made a comment about um how much the how much integration and working together there is in portsmouth and looking for solutions to these kind of things compared to elsewhere where Lally's operates. Uh, and then obviously within the network, they know, you know, you go to other parts of the country, you don't have that that kind of proactive attitude. It will be very much, it's all siloed. That's, it's, it's very interesting that you, um, that you, that you mentioned that. Um, and it's almost a spoiler for our next question, which was, <laughs> <laughs> which was, well, okay. So yeah, to, um, speak, can you speak a bit more to how, how, how effective in Portsmouth the link is between, uh, between GPs and pharmacies then? And how, how does that differ to elsewhere? Yeah. So the, um, so one of the issues that, uh, that I know community pharmacies are struggling with now is that uh, so uh, a lot of GPs surgeries or medical centres um, have um, f their own pharmacists. And that's actually quite an attractive uh, career path for newly qualified pharmacists to go into, to want to go into mm -hmm. GP surgeries um, or medical centres. Um, and we'll try and get there. We'll try and get there. Um, because because of the nature of it, because if you look at some of the issues that community pharmacies have, is that they are, um, you do have that sociable behaviour aspect, 
you do have the fact that there are you know we have pharmacists unfortunately who are threatened community pharmacists who are threatened we have uh dealing with people who see they're on the they're on the high street they're on a street that people think they're they're medical professionals they can help me so when they're in mental health crisis etc etc and so actually and they're long hours as well because you know we're talking about uh especially if you're late night pharmacies uh, it's quite so it, it's um in the same way ironically that um that gps uh that we're trying to recruit gps is um is less attractive than working at a hospital which you might think is slightly perverse but it's because of the nature of it that number of gps are going down and number of hospital doctors are going up so while doctors are going up over the boards Mm-hmm. there are less GPs now than there used to be because mo- the, the proportion used to be the other way around. You used to have more GPs than hospital doctors and now it's going the other way. So so because of the pressures on community pharmacy, you're, you're starting to get this, this thing of actually I'll go and work in my local surgery instead and be a pharmacist there or in the hospital or whatever because your hours tend to be more set. Um, your back room as opposed to front front facing so there does tend to be it it has a bit of an image issue Mm. but with the gps so with a gp and a pharmacist it's it's mixed i mean so for some where you have a say a pharmacy next to a surgery actually they tend to have very close relationships and good relationships um other places you have a surgery it's on its own they have a farm so in caution for example because mm-hmm. you've got um uh, you've got the uh, uh the surgery just off the high street and then you've got a couple of ph- still a couple of pharmacies around the corner that relationship's going to be there and it's practical if on the other hand you've got um like my surgery um or uh sorry not not my surgery uh cranswater group practice mm-hmm. which is uh if you've got the uh, Salisbury Road one, for example, there's no pharmacy anywhere near there, really. So um, a lot of their the people who are using that are going to be going all over the place to their pharmacy. So um, so when you've got a pharmacy close by, that can create a relationship. When it's the surgery's here and you go wherever, uh, that's that that's that's uh, there. So is that partly because there's been some consolidation hasn't there in the in, in the gps in especially in the general practice sector where uh to be honest with you where practices have amalgamated and um you know kind of merged onto onto uh, onto fewer sites Do, is that kind of part of the thing then if 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 part of the operating model of some of the some of the existing community pharmacies is they're they're relying on being very very close geographically to an, to an existing GP surgery but then that GP surgery suddenly shuts and moves you know somewhere you know uh, uh, several streets away because it's being merged with a with a larger practice or whatever it, 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 is that kind of part of the thing where you where and if the pharmacies are like out on their own like you say for the hours that they're, that they're doing that's that's a I can see how that's a less attractive proposition than being somewhere where it's a co-located site where you've you, it's safer. You you know that there's actually you know there's better security. There's uh, better uh, availability of, of of kind of resources. Is that 
it, are we just kind of seeing a, a reaction in the pharmacy sector to respond to what's happened to the GP surgeries? Perhaps is that... I, I, I don't think I don't think it's particularly clear cut because actually mm. um, a few of the a few of the pharmacies that have uh, closed or where the operators close and now we're looking to get you know, or someone else is going to come in are actually nowhere near they weren't near surgeries okay, anyway yeah. mm-hmm. so so I don't I don't think we can we can do a direct color correlation between mm-hmm. them um, <clears throat> and indeed uh, so for example the Elm Grove pharmacy which you speak I used to live literally um, above the building next door many many years ago uh, so I know that one really well. When that closed, I mean, when before they closed, they were having queues of people outside. So it was, and they, people coming from a myriad of surgeries, different surgeries using that pharmacy. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's really got anything to do with the ones that particularly are closing down are because there was a surgery nearby and now there isn't. Um, but that's not to say that 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 hasn't affected. Um, that hasn't affected the business and again that's where you know if a surgery closes and and you've got um and you've got a, a pharmacy which is next door then that could have a big drop off sure. um but yeah I, I don't think just thinking about where the surgeries have closed in recent times and merged i don't think there's been many where that's been the case and yeah and i think you have to forgive us matthew we've always got a we we we, we do sometimes have a bit of a local bias in the, obviously the costume health center um relocated and boots as far as so we might be uh we might be drawing cause and effect ourselves as locals that may not be mirrored across the sector now you, you've touched on some of the blockers that that um that the pharmacies are experiencing you know is there scope for pharmacies to perhaps extend the range of services they provide? You, you, I think you touched on prescribing. You know, is it about reshaping? You know, what a pharmacy is and how it's perceived by the public. Absolutely, and and the the thing is, this is the the irony of all of this is that the the pharmacists actually would like to do this. Um, they would like to do more, uh, and they want to do more. Uh, but they're one of the things to do with recruitment and, and capacity is that they just don't have that. Um, they just don't, they're not able to. And this as and as we have prescribing pharmacies, I mean, and this is why we had this as a particular uh, focus at one of the uh, tables at the, at the mm. summit was about how do you make the most of that? Bear in mind, everyone's going to be everyone who qualifies is going to be a prescribing pharmacy, and also you've got a lot of existing pharmacies who want to be have that certification to be prescribing pharmacists. Um, how do you make the most of that when recruitment of pharmacists in community pharmacies is an issue? So, a how do you? So it's all like your cause and effect. If you can get your if mm. you can get your community pharmacist numbers stable and and and, and as many as you need then that you're in a great place because then that enables you to do more. It also takes pressures off the medical centres from your GPs and your nurses and your um, occupational therapists and your physios, etc. And they go into that place. So when you do say you've got an issue with your medication, you've got maybe you've been prescribed new medication and you're not sure about it, go and talk to your pharmacist rather than going to your GP because as any GP will tell you, actually pharmacists, when it comes to actual medication, side effects how it works all that kind of thing they are your they're your professional experts they know more about medication than anyone else 
um, because that is their entire um, that's their job that's their entire um, uh, the entire focus of their of their profession um, so um, so so it's all about it, it, but but the blocker so to come back to that really is about that as mm. is about the capacity um and also when we talked about those things to do with um issues with people coming in with mental health issues um issues where there's safety you know safety and security issues so that's all about that sort of preventative thing if we can so one of the things that uh we found that community pharmacies didn't know for example was that we have this new mental health hub um, so in the pack that we gave out at the summit, we had the information about the um, <clears throat> we had the information about uh, you are not alone, which is uh, our slogan for our mental health hub, and that they can then get uh, either them, uh, they can ring up on behalf of the people who come in or do that, rather than it gets to a crisis stage and then they're they're ending up with um, calling an ambulance or one one one. It 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 escalates. And of course, that takes up a lot of time, um, which which they will do. But it's if we if that can be kind of there's more proactive way of of reducing the mm. reducing the time and 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 also as I say that that's that safety and security side, which uh, the police um, and our community safety team and the council as well can really sort of engage with them to give them some support about how they can better do that. And of course, wider business community because. We know, you know, shoplifting is endemic at the moment. Uh, there's a huge amount, whether it's for cost of living and, and, and whatever, but we know there's so much shoplifting going on. Um, and it's and part of that is about, right, okay, what other businesses doing to, to try and tackle that? Um, so I think a lot mm. of that is if we can take away a lot of those things that are um, taking up a lot of their time, then they have more time to do, to do those uh to do those more more services and helping more people but also to um but that's also important about recruitment and retention as well and i, I guess what what what's unfolding for me matthew as we've been through this conversation is, is it feels to me like there's a piece here about educating the public because i i, I guess if i'm uh, and again i'll be a little provocative here um it, it almost sounds like the role of the pharmacist is is either you know uh, and i know this isn't their role but they could be perceived as sort of glorified shop assistants you know i go in i buy some toothpaste some razors oh and i'll pick up my prescription while i'm here or in those late night environments you know they're they're almost acting as a a kind of first responder um you know there's an element of it it it, it it's almost you know the 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 picture I'm sort of that's unfurling is I can see why there might be a recruitment and retention problem, but but is that as much to do with the fact that that perhaps the the public just don't understand the role of pharmacists? Yeah, so it's an interesting one because I think their feeling within the uh, health and social care sector is that, and this is one of the things why they partially feel out on a limb, is that among mm. some and absolutely not all, but there is almost a perception that. Pharmacies are, as you say, almost glorified shopkeepers. Yeah, they're shopkeepers, um, as mm. opposed. Whereas, is actually the converse is true about the general public. That the general public say often has very good relationships with their pharmacists, especially those who use them a lot, and that they know they see them as they are a trusted medical professional. So you get this this kind of dichotomy between what almost the perception is, or the long kind of thing, and they're out there doing something else. 
because they always have to have that overtly commercial side to their business. But mm. on the other side, you also have those, um, you have the public who has their, who actually has the thing of they see them in the same way as their experts, especially those who have used pharmacists other than I'll go to the pharmacist and get my medication, who have been in a consultation room, had a chat with the pharmacist and actually found out how um, professional and knowledgeable they are. And so, so you, you get this, you get this dichotomy where actually their, their reputation amongst the public is very positive and that they see them as a, as a professional. Maybe within the sector, they are kind of the forgotten bit of primary care. And, and just going back to another thing I, I just thought of in terms of uh, um, uh, capacity, one of the things that also came out at the summit was how can we support um, development of uh, people within pharmacists, so staff, so especially thinking about pharmacy technicians, how can we support them to go forwards in terms of um, uh, um, maybe getting to the point where they can mm -hmm. either become pharmacists or they can do more professional development as well. So, so that was something that the university again was really yeah. important to have there uh, about what they, what kind of professional development courses we might be able to do, and also from the shop assistants as well, because of course some. Some are literally retail, but they might want to get into more of that kind of uh, on the medical side of things. Yeah. So if the, if there's, I, I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? Like you say, for the for the retention and de and development, if if you can if you can um, get into that business and you can see that there's actually a clear um, a, a clear career path for you that that it, it and you know no disparagement to to, to operating operating until, but it. But this, if you if you want to kind of go something actually beyond that, there there are they do they do sound like they're high you know being highly trained medical professionals. The people that actually use them to the to the fullest of their capability sound like they're reporting well on actually what that experience is. But maybe there's a whole gap in the public understanding of actually that's something that they can um, that their pharmacy their pharmacy their local pharmacist can be helping them with when they are actually struggling to perhaps to get appointments or to get medical um attention or or advice through other through other means at the, at the moment it's a it does seem a bit of a shame that we've got these highly trained people that perhaps aren't being used to the to the fullest of their capabilities yeah absolutely and 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 something again we we uh we talked about was actually getting into schools mm. um so schools um getting those connections in and and actually saying about pharmacy is a, is a really good um a really good career path because people um and that's the thing about people thinking that pharmacy is a fantastic career path and and it, it can be something mm -hmm. they could really really move forward with and and uh, and everything so it, it's yeah i mean there's so many so many pathways mm -hmm. and just thinking about it in rather than we're a pharmacist it's just us we're a community pharmacist it's just us yeah and we have to try and come up with these solutions on our own. Hmm. How can we work together on this in a much more holistic way? And, and talking of that working together, it's almost like we prepared all of this. <laughs> um, so that you know, you, you've spoken about uh, about the situation with pharmacies, and you, and you mentioned a bit earlier on about GPs summit. So, so all of these things are inter interrelated. But what people seem to be quite often talking about is problems getting to see their GP or problems yeah. or the near impossibility to get to see a dentist. What sorts of things are happening in, in those fields? So uh, one of the things we did with the GP summit on 
uh, the week, uh, the Wednesday before, was actually we said, is there anything in particular you want to feed into the pharmacy mm -hmm. summit? So, so though they're separate, and we yeah. and, and we think it's right to keep them separate to make sure that they get the focus that they deserve, that they are ones that sort of both ways feed in. So, um, so now our GP summits are going to be annual, so we're going to have one every year. Mm -hmm. uh, the the pharmacist one we are going to do a follow up in um, probably in probably in spring next year, so in about four or five months' time. Uh, just some progress on on some of the bits and pieces, and I would imagine we'll probably have a, another one in the future. We'll probably do it more of an ad hoc because it's it's um, it's something we've got less overall control with. And actually, if we if we get the pharmacist working with the right people, I think a lot of that work can can sort of um, uh, can sort of multiply on its own. Whereas mm -hmm. when we talk about the the um, GPs, we've got a lot of those are stuff because we've we've got potential for um, a medical school opening up at the university for example and and the aspiration um is that they would have um gps uh, they would focus on gps and training gps um uh, we've got other bits and pieces to do with um uh which because of course the thing with gps as well is of course it comes directly from it's all government funding um so that that's that's a different that's a different thing and also you have to work completely within this single structure of the of the um uh, of, of how the funding works with integrated care systems so um so with <clears throat> um so that that's going to be an annual thing but it's all about these things feed in and actually if we get things moving well with pharmacists i think potentially the the future gp summits as we called it it's always had a bit more of a general primary care focus anyway so for example simon who's uh who's the head of the uh integrated care boards um which folk uh, to do with uh, not just um pharmacists but dentists as well he's actually a pharmacist by trade and so he's, he's a he's a trained pharmacist um he has dentists as well he's been to each of our gp summits so that's where all that kind of connecting in comes um but also, as I say, I think linking the pharmacists up with with uh, shaping ports within the business community, I think that's that's one of the most key things. And a lot of the stuff to do with funding, we know pharmacist funding is very, very complicated, but that's something that has to take place at that much higher level, um, uh, especially to do with contracts. But what we can do as an organisation and saying we can then go up upwards on the dentist side, obviously, we've had the um, earlier this year, we had the um, extra however many thousand, um, hundred odd thousand extra hours of, of NHS treatments, um, which we now have in the city. It's not enough. And that lobbying goes on. So uh, so it, it's that one. I think it's it's almost a much clearer line because we know that the real issue we have is about people being able to access it being able to access nhs dentists interestingly now and now dentistry is being it's been brought from regional to the integrated care system the responsibility for nhs dental contracts so actually for us that fits in very very clearly now with um with the work we do within that system i'm on the integrated care partnership uh, joint committee um, and i'm on the rotation for chair of that 
uh, we've got uh, obviously we have uh, a member of the integrated care board from Portsmouth City Council, as well as uh, we have input from the local uh, the local um, integrated care uh, within our local health and care system. So a lot of that stuff to do with dentists is very clear down the line, and hopefully in future we won't have some of these the the nonsense we had earlier this year when we got the extra uh, time for NHS dentistry but we weren't allowed to tell anyone um, where they were because we weren't told ourselves and, and we actually, uh, because this was region taking control and they would not, they said you can't let them know, even the local authority know, even the cabinet member know where these things are. So it was, so we found out where they were because people said, I've seen an advertisement out at this dentist saying we've got NHS places. Really? Bonkers. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, they didn't tell. They, the, and, yeah. and Joe, who was our, uh, who is, is leaving at the end of the month, but she, she's been our very, very um, uh, good. She was our, uh, she used to run, uh, run the CCG effectively when we had that, uh, the um, clinical commissioning group, and which has now been merged into the integrated care uh, system and the integrated care boards but um she was so embarrassed because she she was told in no uncertain terms you cannot tell anyone where these places will be um so that was under region now we're under the low hmm. the more local system so things like that should be and that means we can directly influence because we can say right you've got the you you manage the contracts now we need more or whatever it might be i mean i think that's going to be a real lobbying thing and obviously within dentists that's been something that's been uh very positively uh um interacted with by uh, both mps as well so um so obviously Penny brought uh, she she did a dental summit um, about a year or so ago, um, which kind of worked in with what we were doing already at the council and within the system. But it was it yeah, I think that's been that's been one where it's it's much clearer that we can do things in a particular way, whereas as, because it's all about if we we just need more contracts here for uh, for pharmacy so and for GPs, it's much more. It's because of so much of it is about recruitment. Mm. So I guess that leads us to our final question, Matthew, which is that, you know, it, it, you touched on the great power of the council to bring people together. And it sounds like, you know, a lot of positive dialogue has been had. How, how do you ensure that, that when the talking stops, that there will be positive actions that will come out of this that will benefit yeah, the people? So, so obviously uh, everything that came out of the summit we're um getting obviously compiling everything so a huge amount of stuff came so be compiling everything that will then go out to everyone who who both um attended and weren't able to attend so uh, and then there'll be actions there so that will be about how we, uh, we we do that and as i say the most important thing is a follow-up and then we can say you said we did so that was a, a really clear thing in the GP summit we did in um, uh, in uh, sort of the week before, obviously it was um, almost a year since we'd done the last sort of follow up one, and it was about you said we did, and also where things we were hoping to make some uh, some progress on this, but it's been stalled for whatever reason. Any ideas how we can help to move that forward? So that's that's the real thing. I think overall 
in terms of differences people will notice is that if we can stop any more closures um, or at least um, make sure we don't have any gaps we now have a so something that we've done independently i said right at the start that the way that pharmacies what they call the pharmaceutical needs assessment works now is changed so we can now say this is somewhere where we need the pharmacy if a pharmacy operator pulls out then we can insist that someone comes in we can also stop mergers so there was actually a merger we stopped i think it was um we stopped a merger in hilsey we um because they wanted to a an operator wanted to close the pharmacy there and say oh we've got one down in i think it was north end that they could go to instead and we actually stopped that happening um if a pharmacy closes now or they say we an operator says we're going to close we want to close this pharmacy we can say we still need a pharmacy operator there and we can proactively go out and, and recruit a pharmacy operator to come in um because that's now a gap you you have that power now as the local uh health and well-being board to do that um so there's that you've you've got a lot more power to say this is where we need it in costume's case unfortunately where you have a oversaturation you can't do that so you, you we couldn't put any no couldn't put any um anything against boots closing because there's still two pharmacies literally on the same road so so you're you're you can't but we would hope that if we do things in the right way that we won't have any parts of the city that are currently served by pharmacies that don't have anything um and and that will really work through um and also by people feeling like we know what we can use pharmacies for um and um when we go in there we're going to get a good service and actually they can do more than we thought they could before perfect well that's a perfect spot to end it matthew thank you after such a busy week for giving us uh, so much of your time You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guest this evening has been uh, Councillor Matthew Atkinson. Um, oh, and then he said Atkinson. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, oh, no. oh, no. All the Sorry. Matthews. Yeah, All the Matthews. Um, hang on. Fix, fix, fix that in Okay, post. right. Okay. Sorry. Um, and our guest has been Ca- Councillor Matthew Winnington. Um, what I was meant to say was that. Um, uh, next week we're going to be uh, we're going to be taking a look at uh, Jeremy Hunt's um, autumn statement. Um, so do join us at um, at six uh, six twenty seven next week. Uh, do um, like, follow, subscribe, etc. Uh, to make sure you get um, those notifications. Um, but also the following week on December the third, we'll be holding the the um, the another of our ward reports. We've got all three. Um, ward councillors from Cosham Ward so that is Councillor Matthew Atkins Ashkar Shah and uh, Mary Vallely and they'll be speaking to us about what the issues are in their ward um, and what they've been hearing from residents and um, what they've been working on so uh, do join us uh, next week at 6.27 where hopefully I'll get the names right Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy.